God with us. Joy. Do you feel joyful this morning? Yeah. You know, the other morning I woke up, got up, it was dark out, 20 below, and I was thinking, I don't have much joy today. <laughs> you know, there's places where there's green grass and palm trees, and here I am in Moose Jaw. <laughs> but I sat down and began to read in the scriptures. And you know, as I began to read my Bible, I encountered the love that Pastor Steve was talking about. That incredible love that causes joy just to well up within you. And, and I was filled with biblical joy as I began to read the word. Sometimes we don't feel much like it. But as we get into him and all that he has done in our lives, that joy can come. When you begin to think of how much he loves you and how much he cares for you, then a joy begins to rise. doesn't mean that's good times necessarily around you. It could be pretty dark and pretty cold and pretty miserable, but that joy doesn't depend on that. So we're going to just watch a little video about joy, about four minutes here, and, uh, and we'll go back into uh, what it's all about. So... Let's find out. Being in a good mood is really great, and most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words, like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphrasune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now, what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later, biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. 
He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, When people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith, or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's Spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now, this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about. Yes, there's a uh, quite, quite a difference between happiness and joy, uh, especially biblical joy, a joy that comes uh, so deep down in. Happiness has more to do with happenings. The other day I got a new laptop and I was so happy. It went so fast. I used to sit there and wait for my Bible program to come up and now it, it's just so, and I was telling my wife, man, this is so good. I'm so happy. And then Larry Hadwin tells me a computer, a laptop five years old is just a good for a doorstop. And I thought, five years from now, <laughs> I probably won't be very happy with this. Something's happening right now. Uh, well, I got it and it's new, but when it becomes a doorstop, I probably won't be so happy if it's just around uh, those things that are happening. But the deepness of joy. You know, joy is found over 150 times in the Bible. And if you include such words as joyous and joyful, there's over 200 times. And of course, the verb rejoice is the active form of joy. Rejoicing. Are you rejoicing? I got a little bit of feedback here. No. Oh, he's not rejoicing. <laughs> he's working on it back there. Good. <laughs> so this is our third Sunday of Advent. And as uh, Pastor Chris talked about Advent, oh, that's great. Uh, it, it talks about arrival, uh, looking forward to the coming. Uh, Advent literally just means the arrival and uh, waiting for something to come. And so we're waiting for Christmas to come, especially the kids that are waiting for Christmas and all the gifts and all the rest of it. Uh, we're, we're waiting, but we're just remembering and waiting because we know Christ already came. Uh, have, you, have you thought back to if, uh, if you have children, do you remember waiting for them to come? Last summer, Lynette was uh, working in the office over here, and uh, every little while she was getting a little bit bigger and bigger. <laughs> and they were, Kyle was waiting and waiting and waiting, and then now that was fulfilled. And they got little Ellie, so beautiful. Wow. Do you remember those days, any of you that had kids, uh, moms especially, those last days? 
I'll tell you some of the stories from my family. Um, the the first time that my wife and I have been married a couple of years, and and all of a sudden we were we were expecting and and we were excited and we started sharing some of those things, and then a miscarriage happened. And so the second time my wife got pregnant was just a little bit. What, what's really happening here? What's really going to happen? And, and we were restraining our, our, our joy and everything. But then as the months and months and months went by, and then we got down to, you know, that eighth month and in there, and uh, it gets a little bit, oh, when's this going to be over? <laughs> Some of you recognize that, eh? Uh, and it happened to be right about that time we had um, a man come to, uh, a minister come and share, an evangelist come for week's meetings. His name was Gary Zeal. Gary grew up in, in southern Saskatchewan down by Estevan, and, and uh, he'd been a, from a little kid, he'd been a thief. He stole everything he'd get his hands on. And then when he got a little older, he joined another guy and they robbed all kinds of towns and they started burning down the places they robbed and they made a real mess back in the 1950s in, in southern Saskatchewan. And they got caught and he was sent to, to prison up in, in PA. Uh, after he got out of prison, he ended up in a meeting led by my friend, uh, Art Shepherd, and he came to know the Lord, and his life was radically changed. He went to Bible school and he started ministering. So he happened to be having meetings at that time with us, and my wife was just hanging in there, just waiting for that baby to come. And, uh, and, and Gary said, Well, you know, in prison, they call this doing hard time. When you're almost down to getting out of prison, he says, Some guys take their lives. As they get down to those last days before they're to be released, uh, it is called hard time. And my wife said, oh, I know what she's talking about. She was doing hard time. And then the baby came. Woo, beautiful little Dina. Ha! Ah, I used to stand there and watch her. Any of you dads do this? You stand there at night at the crib, watch, make sure they're still breathing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, joy. Just a joy after that waiting and waiting, then you get just tremendous joy. Oh, wow. Here's this new life come into our lives. And then a couple years later, we were waiting for another little one to come along. And, uh, but this is a little more, this is harder now because you've got a two-year-old and you're, and you're about to have a, a, the, the second one and you, you can't just concentrate on the new one. And, and then along came Daisy. Woo. We were excited. And of course, as... Uh, as Pastor Steve mentioned last week, his two-year-old said such cute things. Huggies, wasn't that what he said? She said, huggies? Yeah. Well, my two-year-old at that time when Daisy came along said something really cute too. She said, let's put Daisy in the garbage and get a new baby. <laughs> a little sibling rivalry already. But the joy after waiting and waiting and waiting, the joy. And then uh, uh, a year or so later, uh, my wife is pregnant. We're living in Texas. It's 40 above that summer every day, 40 above. <laughs> she almost melted. Uh, she said, I've got an oven inside me and an oven outside. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. And the waiting and the waiting. And we were waiting for this baby to come. In those days, you didn't go and do an ultrasound. Uh, you didn't know you get a boy or a girl. You took what you got. And uh, we, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. 
And it was on a Monday. I went to the dentist, and he told me he was going to put me in the hospital to, to remove two impacted uh, wisdom teeth, and he didn't. He just said, oh, I'm going to take them out right now. And he pulled these two impacted wisdom teeth, and I, I went home with such a sore jaw, and, and, and all that week he gave me some uh, painkillers, which in those days I didn't even use aspirin, so I didn't take any painkillers till Friday night. I took two of them, and I went to bed. I had this, and in the middle of the night... Donna says, my water broke. And I'm going, oh, that's nice. Ah, I was just floating. She would get up and prepare the stuff. Uh, and as, every time she came in the room, I, I just, I'd wake up enough to say, uh, how you doing? <laughs> and she kept going. Finally, she got me up, and, uh, and I'm driving to the hospital. Just in a different world, totally a different world. And we got there, and I was so tired. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't keep my eyes open. I'm sitting there on the chair. She's walking back and forth. There was only one chair, and I'm there just wiped out. Finally, they take her away, and, uh, and I find a, a, a recliner, and I just, I'm out. Next thing I know, the doctor's waking me up, and he has this bassinet there, and he says, Here's your baby boy. And there's, Dustin's laying there, and he's looking all over the place. The doctor actually commented, man, I haven't seen a baby like that. He was just checking everything out. He was just looking around like this. And I am there filled with joy. <laughs> well, I was excited for a moment. And then the doctor took, took him away, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> that anticipation... That looking forward to, we did get excited. I did get excited. After I, after I slept it off, I did get excited about having my boy. And my kids have been such a blessing to me through these years. But you know, Advent is a time to look back to that anticipation and share with the ancient longing that was there. They longed, you know, as a, as a mother in that eighth and ninth month longs for this to be over. They were longing for something. And then they were longing for the coming of Messiah. They wanted to celebrate his birth and also be alert for his second coming. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. The longing and looking forward for his second arrival, his coming back. But let's just concentrate a little bit on what was happening in Israel about this time. Now, we're, we're studying through the story. We're reading through the story, and, and we're right up to David, right? Are you all up to David? And different things are happening to David. As we go through the rest of the story, we're going to come to a place where the Old Testament ends, and then the New Testament begins. And from Malachi to Matthew, there were 400 years and they call them the 400 silent years because for 400 years, there was no prophetic word. There was no Samuel who was hearing from God and saying, go uh, anoint so-and-so as a king. There was, there was no uh, angel coming and talking to, to Samson's parents about uh, what was going to happen there. There was no prophetic word. There were no angels coming. For 400 years, the Israelites were living without a voice from heaven. Now, they weren't very silent in what was going on because in those years, uh, 
the, the Babylonians had come and taken over, which was the Iraqis. And then the, the, those from Iran, the Persians, had taken over. And they, uh, they were in charge of, of Israel for a while, uh, for quite a time. And then along came uh, this Greek boy called Alexander the Great. And he came conquering and he came through and he conquered all of the, the, the Persians. And he conquered all the way down to India and, and Egypt. And he took over Israel. And then there were other, uh, after he died, one of his generals uh, took over and, and uh, the, then horrendous things began to happen in those 400 years. A guy by the name of uh, Antiochus Epiphanes came into power and just, he wanted to destroy the, 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 the Jewish worship. So he put up a, a statue to Jupiter, ugly statue to Jupiter in the, in the courtyard and, uh, of, the, of the temple. He caused them to sacrifice pigs on the altar and he desecrated the whole holy place. And in this time, uh, there was a priest who, who rose up with his family and they called them the Maccabees and they became guerrilla uh, warfare and they, they came to a point where they overcame uh, they overcame uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and his, his group. And the Maccabees entered the city and they removed all the signs of paganism which had been installed in the temple. They cleaned it out. The altar dedicated to Jupiter was removed and a new altar was erected to, God's, uh, to Israel's God. The statue of Jupiter was ground to dust and beginning with the 25th of December, they celebrated an eight-day feast of dedication and was known as Hanukkah. So you kind of figure out, oh, oh yeah, I know that the Jewish people don't celebrate Christmas. They celebrate Hanukkah. What was it all about? This is what it was all about. The Festival of Lights, they called it. In this way, they marked the end of the three-year period during which the temple had been so desecrated. This is some of the things that were going on in Israel at that time. And then the Romans took over and put them under bondage. And the people of Israel were anxious for the revival, uh, the arrival of, a, of a, a Messiah. And yet there'd been no word until, until Zacharias, a priest, an older man, was in the temple and an angel came. You can, can you imagine the excitement, the joy, when they began to realize what was going on there? In, in Luke 1, 13 and 14, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. The rejoicing. You understand that active word, the word out of the joy brings rejoicing. And there's rejoicing is going to come in Israel. Well, the very fact that after 400 years of not hearing anything from God, an angel appears was incredible. And you remember, Zechariah uh, couldn't speak. He came out of there. He had to motion to him. And it wasn't until John the Baptist, uh, John the baby, was born that he could speak when he said, yes, his name's going to be John. And in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 57, 58, it says, 
When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard uh, that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Another version said, everyone rejoiced with her. It was an exciting time. It was an exciting time because not only was this woman who had been barren all of a sudden has a son and, and they have this baby and, and they're so excited about it, but God was speaking to Israel again and he was preparing things and they understood that. And you remember, Pastor Steve talked last week about uh, Mary, the angel, six months later shows up and speaks to Mary. And, and uh, Mary, after saying, Okay, yes, yes, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, uh, I will do it. And then she went off immediately. She went off immediately to visit Elizabeth because the angel said, and Elizabeth is with child. And she got that news and she said, I got to go see her. And she went off, it would have been a couple days walk uh, to, to get to Elizabeth's house. And it says here in Luke one thirty nine, it says, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. There she entered, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And he, she's prophesying this over Mary. Notice she said, Blessed are you among women, not above women. You have to be careful. There are some who have made Mary the mother of God. She was not the mother of God. She was a young lady who gave herself to be a tool and be used of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the Messiah. And blessed is the child you will bear, she said. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her, his promises to her. The baby leaped for joy. Here is the Holy Spirit working and causing the joy of the Lord to fill Elizabeth and John the Baptist at the same time. And he was only six months in the womb. He had another three months to go. Hmm. You know, then Mary sang the song. What did Mary sing in her song? In, uh, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. The joy that must have come. But you realize, as Joya was saying this morning, when joy comes, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be right, everything's going to be easy, that everything's wonderful uh, and beautiful. Mary went through a lot of suffering. She was considered a woman who had had uh, sexual relationships before they were married because here she was pregnant and they weren't married and that was all obvious to everybody around. And, and, and she went through a number of things, but the joy came for her, I'm sure, when she said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. You want real joy this morning, then open up and say, Lord, what do you want from me? I, I want to know you. I want to be filled with your joy. Don't make it uh, one of those things that rely upon, if you do this, I will be filled with joy. 
If you'll just do this, then okay, I'll be joyful. No, the joy comes when we begin to realize that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. <laughs> That's where the joy comes in. That's where the joy of this season that we celebrate this in. That's where it comes from. And it's really important. Mary didn't have to. She didn't have to, but she said, I will. She rejoiced because she chose joy. Do you choose joy? Do you choose to say, okay, the situation here, you know, I woke up and I, I got this backache and I've got this and that and the other thing. Lord, just speak into my life. I, I, I want to feel your joy because that joy that comes from him doesn't depend on getting my way or getting feeling good or all the rest of it. That joy comes because of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. It's incredible. It's an incredible joy. A lot of times there's situations and seasons we go through and we have to choose joy. We have to say, no, I know you, Lord. I know that you love me. I know that you gave your life for me on the cross. I know we can rejoice. We can embrace the miracle of God with us. And we can line up with what he's doing if we want to. Or we can be on the other side, just criticizing and angry and upset because things didn't go the way I want them to go. And this is, this. No, just a minute. In Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Be filled with joy. That active part of joy is rejoicing. Are you a rejoicing person? Do you rejoice? Or are you a little bit grumpy? <laughs> Shouldn't ask that question. Uh -huh. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in him, who he is and what he's done. That babe in the manger who grew up a sinless life and died on the cross for you. Rejoice in that. In Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient in trouble. That joy. We have a hope. We have been loved and we can have joy. You can walk in it. You can live in it. Incredible things. What happened on that night you know, the angels, after 400 years, silent years, the angels got really busy, didn't they? They showed up uh, to, to Zachariah. They showed up to Mary. They showed up to Joseph. They showed up to the shepherds. They, they had lots of stuff going on. Things really started moving and happening. And that night in Acts 2 and verse 8, it said, Then there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great news. The Messiah has come. The Savior has come. Do you need a Savior? He died for you. Great joy comes when you come into a relationship with the one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Great joy. What's the bedrock of your joy? Do you, do you realize that? We get so busy in this world. I 
tell you the story about Dustin's birth and because of circumstances around me, I couldn't rejoice like I, I, I wanted to at that time because of the drugs that I, that, those two pills that I had taken. But you know what? I, 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 I just get so excited when I, I stop and I say, Lord, I can't, I can't let all of the things that are going around me the aches and the pains and the and this and that and the other thing and the ups and the downs, I have to concentrate on you and walk in your joy and live in it. I want to just quickly touch one more part of Advent. As we said, Advent means arrival. We're wa- they, were, they were waiting for his arrival, but he came, he lived, he died. But he said he was going to come back again. So are you prepared for his second advent? The second advent? That arrival? When we think of his coming back again, what does it put in you? Excitement or fear? Joy or fear? He's coming back again. Oh, yeah. In Acts 1, verses 9 to 11, it talks here about uh, he was with his disciples. I'm just gonna I'm gonna paraphrase this. He, he was talking with his disciples, and all of a sudden he started going up into heaven, <laughs> and he disappeared into the clouds. It says, out of their sight, and they were just standing there gazing into the. Ah, oh, what's this? And then there were two angels showed up, <laughs> uh, men dressed in white. It says, and he said, "Men of Galilee, why are you standing here with your mouths open?" Looking up in heaven, don't you know that this same Jesus, this same Jesus has been taken up into heaven, will come back in the same way that you've seen him going to heaven? He's coming back soon. He's coming back, and we need to be prepared for his arrival. Are you prepared for his arrival? If he came back today, are you prepared for his arrival? Fear of the future. Oh my. There are people today that are really pumping out fear of the future. Incredible fear of the future. I was talking to Pastor Steve the other day about when I was young, uh, the, the cartoons that usually were making fun of Christians and everything always had a, a man with a sandwich board and, and going down and saying, repent, the end is here. Repent, the end of the world. Remember those? Nobody, younger people don't even know what a sandwich board is, right? They think you're going to eat it. But this used to be, and it used to be always making fun. And now we have a 16-year-old who's wearing, she's wearing it, but repent, the end of the world is coming. We, we, it, it, you, you've got to change your way. If you're going to save Mother Earth, you've got to change your way. Repent. And fear is coming out all over for our, our children. Fear, things are going to happen Strange things are going to happen. The world's going to be destroyed. And we're not all this. I was thinking about that. And it's interesting. I, I hope I don't get you too off base here. But have you, have you heard the prediction? I don't know where the prediction came. If it came from uh, the United Nations or whatever. But 12 years. How many have heard that? 12 years. Yeah, there's terrible things are going to happen uh, uh, within the next 12 years. Or if we don't change in 12 years. I began to think about that and I thought, that's interesting. 12 years, I'm going to be really old. Uh, (laughs) 
But I began to think about that. Do you know what I realized? In about 12 years, something is going to be fulfilled. You know what it is? This very verses there in Acts where he stood on the mountain and he went back into heaven. We're going to complete 2,000 years in about 12, 13 years. We don't know. Our calendar isn't quite adjusted. But in about 12 or 13 years, it's going to be 2,000 years from when that happened. I know back when uh, it was the turn of the the century in 2000, oh, Christ is coming back because it's 2000. No, he didn't come back from the date of his birth. But what if he was going to come back from the date that he left 2,000 years later? Hey, that's 12 years down the road. Okay, I'm not putting a date down that you're going to go on your calendar and say, Doug said Jesus is coming back in such and such a day. But I want you to think about this. If you knew he was coming back, what would you do differently? Uh, would you have joy? Would, would you readjust some of the things in your life if you knew he was coming? He could come back this afternoon. He'd come back today. I, I don't think he has to wait for 12 years. Uh, but I, I began to think about this. Are you excited about his second advent, his coming again? Years ago, I heard it preached over and over again. He was coming soon. We used to sing that song. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Maybe morning, night, or noon. And, and we used to sing all of that. And then it kind of became like, yeah, he's going to come back someday and someday. But I tell you this, if you will focus in on who he is, you'll be prepared for him coming back at any time. And we need to adjust our lives to that. We need to invest in the kingdom instead of investing just in us. We need to uh, reshape our lives and, and, and say, hey, whoa, I'm excited about your coming back again. I want to spend eternity with you, Lord. It might be that we'll just live our days out and die and, and it, it, he won't come back for more years or not. I don't know. I'm not saying that when, but I am saying this. He is coming back. Even the world is worried about apocalyptic things that are about to happen. How about you and I? In, in John 14, Jesus said this, John 14, 1 to 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> be filled with joy. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have... I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Does that excite you? (laughs) Excites me. Joy. Spending eternity with him. Oh, the one who loved us so much that he gave. Where are you at today? Are you prepared for that? Or are you just living for now? And you're not thinking about things of the future except for just maybe some of the physical things, getting prepared for retirement or prepared for this or prepared for uh, students, prepared to go to university and that, just for these days. But what about eternity? What about eternity? What about his second arrival? His second coming. 
I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. But if you need to readjust some things in your way of thinking or where you're living, now's the time to do it. Not 12 years down the road. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. What's the bedrock of your joy? His coming in the past and his giving of his life to save you from sins. His coming in the future to take you to be with him. What is the bedrock? Friends, let's choose to make this season a season of joy. Let's rejoice as we celebrate his birth with joy. Let's be prepared with joy as we rejoice about his second coming. Oh, would you close your eyes for just for a moment? How much he loves us. Oh, Lord, you love us so much that you came. And you brought joy into this world. And oh, Lord, you're coming again. And our hearts begin to leap within us. And sometimes, Lord, it seems like we're going through some hard times And I know this world is going to go through some real hard times, but I know that you love us and you prepared a place for us and I give you the glory and the praise. So Lord, if there's someone here today, they need to cry out to you and ask for forgiveness and readjust their lives to be prepared for your second advent, I pray that they would do that right now. Lord, speak into our hearts and lives this day. We give you the praise now, in Jesus' name, amen.